just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. We had a pretty eventful day in news. We'll get to that in just a bit. I just wanted to talk about something real briefly, just to reassure you. As I've been watching TikTok, I've been seeing some of these creators, most of which are much bigger than I am, that are talking about having this Patreon account. So what it basically is, it's another account where they create content, and you can listen to it if you pay a fee to get into it. Now, I'm not begrudging anybody that wants to do that. If you do, if you have a reason, if it makes sense to you or you need to do it, fine, go ahead and do it. I just want to reassure the folks that listen to the Rational Boomer podcast and the TikToks, that will never happen here. That just will not happen. The idea that I would do a podcast and then tell you, well, this is good stuff, but if you really want to hear the good stuff, go pay the five bucks and listen to that because that's better. To me, that's distasteful. That is absolutely distasteful. When you watch me on TikTok or you listen to me on the Rational Boomer podcast, I promise you, I'll give you everything I got. There's nothing left that you need to go pay for to get something special. And the fact that I'm going to winnow it down to a few people because I'm charging them money to give information that I wouldn't give you, I don't like it. It's distasteful. When I started doing TikTok and then now starting to do the uh, podcast, making money really wasn't on my mind. Now, I'm not suggesting I'm immensely wealthy and I don't need money. Everybody needs some money, but I'm fortunate. I'm essentially retired. My wife is retired. She does some part-time stuff, as we talked about. Uh, But we're comfortable. We have more than enough money to do all the things we want to do, and we're fine. So I'm under no pressure to make money with the podcast or TikTok. That really wasn't the goal. To be perfectly honest with you, any money that I make from doing this, and I try to do it in a way that doesn't affect you much, Like, for example, with TikTok, I'm on the um, Creators Fund. Now, that doesn't amount to a lot of money, but it's something. Uh, In the podcast, you'll hear the little commercial in the middle about Anchor.fm. I make a couple of bucks doing that, and maybe later down the road, as the podcast gets bigger, it might be some other other advertiser. But I'm never really going to do more than one. It just kind of breaks up the show in two segments. Now, the reason I do that isn't because I need to keep the lights on. I do that for validation. Now, please understand what I'm saying here. You know what we're doing here. You listen to me on TikTok or on the podcast, and that's fine. I don't have to validate myself to you other than what I do every day on the podcast or on TikTok. But you have to understand the people around me, they know all the things I've done in the past. And now when they come up to me, whether they be family or friends, they'll say, oh, so Mike, your wife is doing this part-time job. What are you doing? (laughs) And I tell them, well, I'm doing TikToks and I'm doing a podcast. They look at you like you're some kind of piker 
because they don't understand what's going on, why you would do it, how you would do it, because this kind of thing is foreign to most people. But, and then they'll say, well, you can't make any money off of that. Well, they don't understand the circumstances. And I can say to them, well, I wasn't really planning to make money. Then they think, well, I'm just taking the lazy, easy way out and just playing on the Internet. So by making money on it, whether it be $10 or $100 or whatever it is, it's a validation uh, to them. Now, I don't feel like I have to prove anything to them. I'm doing it more for my wife because when they ask my wife, what is he doing? What is he putting all his time into? She has to tell them this, and they don't get it. So if I can generate some money with it down the road, I don't have to do it now as the listenership on the podcast gets bigger um, or TikTok gets bigger and I make some more money, then it'll make it easier for her to explain to them what I'm now doing, what I'm spending my time on. And to be perfectly honest with you, it doesn't cost me a lot of time to do what I'm doing. But it is some time, and then I spend a lot of time watching news and reading and and investigating things. So it does take up a little time, but I love doing it. I mean, it's like a hobby to me. I uh, enjoy doing it. But the point of this is I'm never going to beg you for money in any way. I'm never going to set up a Patreon account where you have to pay money to get the special information. That just seems like clickbait to me. And again, I'm not begrudging anybody else that does it. If they want to do it, fine. My goal here is two things. Say what I want to say and get as big an audience as I can. That in itself will create opportunities down the road. I don't need to do it today. So when you listen to the Rational Boomer podcast, I'm going to give you everything I got. When you listen to uh, TikTok, I'm going to give you everything I got that I can fit into either 60 seconds or three minutes every time. Anyhow, enough said. I'm not going to be begging money from you. I'm not going to try to send you someplace to get money out of you. All I want is your attention. I want you to listen. I want you to comment, uh, ask questions, whatever. That's all I'm ever going to ask from you. So let's talk about the news at hand. There is some big shit going on. Now, we've been talking a lot about this raising the debt ceiling. You're probably getting bored with it. I'm getting bored with it. But it is an important thing. It's always been kind of an automatic thing. Democrats, Republicans, they've all done it dozens of times. And it was never a big deal. Well, there were some times when there was some gamesmanship or brinksmanship going on with it. But it was never really drawn out for a long period of time. And what we're going through now is a little different because on October 18th, we would then default on our loans. And that is entirely a different situation. I've said this word a hundred times. I'm getting sick of saying it, and I'm sure you're getting sick of hearing it. But if we default on our loans in this country, that is catastrophic to our economy. It does all kinds of things. It costs people a lot of money. So this is an important issue. This is a crucial issue issue to us, to everybody in this country. Now, Mitch McConnell said that he wouldn't lift a finger to help the Democrats raise the debt ceiling, which is really strange because 
Mitch McConnell has done it a number of times before in the very same situation. And of course, the Democrats didn't push back on him. What they did is they said, yeah, you're right. If we don't do this, we've got all kinds of trouble. They cooperated, raised the debt ceiling, and that was it. But not this time for Mitch McConnell. We are now less than two weeks away from October 18th when we default on our loans, an absolute disaster for our economy. But Mitch McConnell wanted to be the tough guy and say, we're not helping you. In fact, what he said was that no Republican in the Senate would vote for raising the debt ceiling. He said, you're going to have to do it yourself. But then he added, I'm going to use the filibuster which basically means now for anything to pass through the Senate, you need 60 votes. The major majority, or the uh, super majority is what they call it. So basically what Mitch McConnell did was, he says, we're not going to help you. In fact, now we're going to block you. Because the Senate is a 50-50 split between Democrats and Republicans. So in order for the raising of the debt ceiling to pass, they're going to need 10 Republicans to vote vote on it, vote for it. But of course, we know he just said no Republican will vote for it. So for all intents and purposes, Mitch McConnell was blocking it. Now, what Mitch McConnell's doing here is being a bully. That's what the Republicans do. That's what Mitch McConnell does. And I'll explain to you how a bully works. He tries to overwhelm people. He threatens. He makes remarks. He's a tough guy. He tries to roll over the top of people and put them in fear so they give in and give him exactly what he wants. That's what Donald Trump did. Even though he was absolutely wrong, he tried to bully people. And for the large part, a lot of people bought into it, caved in, and gave him whatever he wants because he's a bully. Well, that is not the way to deal with a bully. And Mitch McConnell has a problem with this debt ceiling because The Democrats aren't biting this time. They aren't caving in and giving Mitch McConnell everything he wants, which is the absolute worst thing that can happen to a bully. Because bullies are cowards in the first place. When you give them pushback, now they don't know what to do with themselves. Now, what you have to understand is, as much as Mitch says he doesn't want to help raise the debt ceiling, He really has to. I mean, he has no choice in the matter. As I said, if the debt ceiling isn't raised by October 18th, up until today anyway, um, the country would default on its loans. Well, this is going to cause, what, 6 million unemployed people. People will lose their jobs. It's going, and here's the big one. It's going to cost people in this country, people like you and me and everyone else, $15 trillion in personal wealth. And when I say that, I mean the stock market's going to crash. We're going to have a recession. Your 401ks and all other kinds of investments are going to take a hit. That's where you're going to lose your money. Now, even beyond that, America is so big and our economy is so important. If that happens in this country, it will spread across the world. It will cause problems everywhere. We could have a worldwide recession. 
Now, Mitch McConnell's acting like the tough guy saying, I'm not going to help you. But the fact of the matter is, when the shit falls apart and we have this catastrophic event in our economy, it affects everybody. It doesn't just affect Democrats. doesn't just affect the middle class. It doesn't affect just the lower income folks. It affects Republicans. It affects the rich. Now, let's be honest. Mitch McConnell is rich. A lot of people in Congress are rich. The people that support these people in Congress are even richer. These people are going to take the bigger hit in terms of dollars because they have so much money. They have so many investments. So they're going to take a huge hit. Mitch McConnell does not want to see that happen. No matter what he says, no matter how tough he acts, he does not want to see that happen. You see, what he's doing is he's bluffing the Democrats, and then he's trying to bully them to cave in. He knows he's got to give in at some point because he can't allow it to happen. And here's the other thing. The Democrats have been doing a good job at pointing the finger at Mitch McConnell. Some people could say, well, he'll just blame it on the Democrats. Well, he can't do that. It's too well publicized that he's the one obstructing this thing, and the Republicans are going along with it. So if all hell breaks loose and the economy crashes, everybody's going to look to Mitch McConnell, including the people that support him and all the Republicans. That won't go well. I don't care how Republican, how conservative you are, if somebody cuts your wealth in half, you're going to be one pissed off customer. And that's going to cost Mitch McConnell. Now, Mitch isn't dumb. He knows this. So he can't do it. So he's trying to bluff the Democrats. Now, on TikTok and here on the Rational Boomer podcast, you may recall, I could play the tape back. No, you remember. I said that Mitch McConnell would cave. Now, a lot of people came to me on TikTok and here on the podcast and said, he'll never cave. He's evil. He doesn't care about this country. He may not care about this country, but he cares about himself. So he will cave. And as I predicted today, Mitch McConnell caved. He blinked. He flinched. Mr. Tough Guy flinched. The bully got pushed back. And he backed off, like they always do. So what Mitch McConnell essentially did, he said, look, I'm going to give you a free pass so that you can pass this bill with 51 votes. I won't put up the filibuster, but it's only going to be enough money to get us through December. So basically all he did is buy time. We're going to have to go through this all over again in December. But there's a bit of a relief from all the pressure that's been going on and all these people hanging by a thread. I'm sure Mitch McConnell got plenty of calls from his rich friends saying, what the fuck are you doing? Stop this shit. This is ridiculous. I'm sure he got some heat. And I'm sure he's getting nervous, and that's exactly what happened. Mr. Tough Guy Nerves of Steel caved, just like I said he would. It's not because I'm a genius. You just look at the facts. He has no choice but to cave.
And that's exactly what he did. So he's proposing this delay till December, and it looks like the Senate will vote on it in December. And uh, no, I'm sorry, they're going to vote on it next week. <laughs> the delay goes till December. They're going to vote it on, on it next Wednesday or Thursday. Now, here's what the Democrats have to watch out for. Mitch McConnell never gives up. He's like one of those little dogs that grab your trousers and hangs on for dear life. He's not happy until he wins something. So there may be some strings attached to this. He may try to force them to do it through reconciliation, which the Democrats don't want to do. I don't know why that's important to Mitch McConnell, but clearly that gives him some kind of angle. Or he wants to set it up so it makes the Democrats look bad and they can use it in the campaigns in 2022. So the Democrats have to be very careful what they agree to just to save this limit. Because I guarantee you, now is not the time to say, oh, Mitch, you're a great guy. Thanks for helping us out. We'll get this thing done no matter what. Because Mitch McConnell will still try to fuck the Democrats. There's no question about it. So they're going to have to see these offers and then make a decision. But as somebody who has negotiated a number of things in my life, I learned one trick, one rule to negotiating. If you can make the other party believe that you'll take it to the wall, through the wall, and that you don't give a shit, you will win every negotiation. Because most people don't have the nerve to do that. And it does take some nerves to do that, and you have to be in a position to be willing to lose in order to win. But you won't have to lose because... Now Mitch has more to lose than you do. He cares more. And he gave us that tell when he gave us this little delay. He showed his cards. He showed that he is concerned about this. He's not the guy that doesn't give a shit. So he lost that. Now the Democrats have to be very careful. They need to see Mitch McConnell on the run now. See the flaw in his game and use it against him exactly the way Mitch McConnell d did and always did to the Democrats. We'll see if they do that. The most important thing is we get some relief and we don't crash the economy in this country. Then between now and December, they can figure out what they're going to do to get this thing fixed. The upside for the Democrats, if they can get this thing settled, they can focus on the infrastructure things and uh, get those things done. Now, you have to understand, when they get those infrastructure deals done, the bipartisan and the reconciliation, the bigger one, when they get these things done, and I say when because they will get this thing done, once it's done, and people are realizing the benefits they are getting. This is going to give the Democrats a lot of power. Mitch McConnell knows this. So, time got short. Mitch got cold feet. He flinched. He gave in, gave him two months to get this infrastructure thing done. Focus on that. And then once that's done, things look much brighter for the Democrats. Because instead of being angry with the Democrats, they will love the Democrats because the Republicans won't 
be involved in the big part of this infrastructure reconciliation bill. They won't have voted for it, so they aren't going to be able to claim credit for being part of that and bringing all that good to the middle class. Mitch is in a tight spot. He puts on a good face. He acts like the tough guy, but he's in trouble right now because he really is losing a lot of leverage very quickly. And let's be honest, as the minority leader, he shouldn't have any leverage. And the only reason he does is because the Democrats allowed it. Hopefully the Democrats are are learning a lesson at this point and will shut this son of a bitch down. It's not that hard when you've got the power. And I really believe that when the infrastructure bills pass and things start looking good, that uh, Mitch is going to be in real trouble at this point. So he knows if he gives them time and they pass the infrastructure, he looks bad. But he also knows if he lets the debt ceiling not get raised, then he's in deeper shit, plus he loses his own money. Mitch comes off like he's a hot shot. He's in control. He has all the power. Not so. Mitch McConnell is in trouble right now, and he's nervous. He's trying to grasp at anything to maintain control, but he's losing it quickly. So just keep an eye on this situation, and we'll keep you informed here on the Rational Boomer podcast, but it should be very interesting. And assuming they agree to this deal and they they vote for it next Wednesday or Thursday, we'll get this done, get it behind us, and get focused on some positive things for this country. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, we got some good news out of Texas, which is rare these days between COVID and voter suppression and (laughs) taking rights away from women. That's been kind of a hellhole. I love Texas, but I don't really want to go down there at this point. I can pretty much fly anywhere because my wife works for the airlines. I just don't want to go to Texas. I mean, I do want to go to Texas. I want to see Austin. I want to go to uh, San Antonio or Corpus Christi. But that is such a fucking mess down there. Who wants to go there? Well, the good news today is that a federal judge in Austin, Texas, issued an order blocking the Texas six-week abortion ban. Now, This was all started by a lawsuit that was brought by the U.S. Department of Justice. Merrick Garland and the DOJ brought this lawsuit. And it went to court, and the federal judge said today, we're blocking this order for this Texas six-week abortion ban. Now, this has got to be causing the religious right and the Republicans to lose their shit. (laughs) which is appropriate since their Lord and Savior, Donald Trump, is constantly losing his shit. (laughs) Now, the important thing to understand here is this could be a temporary thing. The good news is that it's an immediate injunction. So that means abortions in Texas can resume immediately, like today. And they will they got to ramp things up and get things straightened away again, but they will start up again. Now, as you might expect, the criminal, who is the attorney general in the state of Texas, said, we're going to appeal this. And that's a standard phrase you would expect out of a Republican once they got their ass kicked. Now, 
They will appeal it. There's really no way to determine how that appeal will go. I mean, theoretically, they could say, uh, no, you can have the ban. And then it goes back the other way. But then the DOJ would uh, appeal it. <laughs> and they may be stuck keeping the ban blocked until there's a final decision made. Now, it could go up to the Supreme Court. And you know the Supreme Court started this whole problem and allowed them to do it. If it gets to the Supreme Court, you might see a little different tack to this. First of all, it's backed by the Department of Justice. That gives it a little more teeth to the situation. And then it go to the all the heat that the Supreme Court got over this. And all these Supreme Court justices are now fearful that their image has been tarnished, and it has. The positivity for the Supreme Court in this country, the polls say 40%. That's not good for the highest court in the land. And these people are starting to get a little nervous about that. They don't like seeing the Supreme Court that they're on looking bad. So if it should get to the Supreme Court, you might see the a little bit of different turnout than what we got the first time around. So the good news here is that women in Texas can now say, my body, my choice, and they're not just talking about vaccinations. So the abortion services will start up, have started up, whatever, and they will go until some court says, you got to stop. This is pissing off the Republicans, as you might expect. And you know what? I'm good with that. The more we can piss off Republicans and take their power away from them, by all means, let's do it. Now, in yesterday's podcast, I was talking about this whole House Select Committee uh, on the investigation into the January 6th insurrection and how they sent out subpoenas. I told you they sent out subpoenas to, um, uh, to a number of people, to Mark Meadows, Scott, uh, Steve Bannon, Cash Patel, and Dan Scavino. Now, here's an interesting story. <laughs> I talked about it on TikTok a little bit. Now, all of these gentlemen receive subpoenas. And what they have to do is first provide the documents that Congress is asking from them. They need to do that by today. Now, of course, Donald Trump is trying to muck this thing up and slow things down as he always does, or as we saw in Texas with this abortion ban. And uh, he's going to claim executive privilege. Unfortunately, for some reason, Donald Trump and his lawyers don't understand what's really happening here. Because in order to ask for executive privilege, you have to be the president. And regardless of what any Republican might tell you, Dirty Diaper Donnie is not the fucking president. The person who can make that call, of course, is Joe Biden because, well, he's the president. And Joe Biden has said, no, we're going to let all this stuff go. Uh, let's, let's go ahead with this, and there is no executive privilege. Of course, Donald Trump will try to take it to court, much like some of these voter fraud things. Um, 
a court probably won't even take this on because it's not a thing. He's not able to extend executive privilege. So it will probably delay it a little bit. It'll be interesting to see if any of these people turn over documents. But the real telling point is going to be next week. Because after turning over the documents, then these men have to show up to testify in front of the House Select Committee. they got to show up. Even if Donald Trump tries to delay the document part of this thing through court, he can't do that with the testifying. And the people that are coming to testify have an extra problem. It's not like when Donald Trump was in office and you could just blow it off. You can't do that. Benny Thompson, the chairman of the House Select Committee, and all the other Democrats have already seen this. So they made plans to handle it should these folks decide not to show up. Benny Thompson, the chairman, as much as said, well, if you don't show up, then we can refer you to the Department of Justice and charge you with criminal contempt of Congress. That's a serious offense. You go on trial for that and you are found guilty, you're going to jail. So are these people more interested in helping Donald Trump, who helps nobody else but himself, or are they going to testify and try to avoid avoid going to jail? I seem to think that they will probably prefer the latter. Because we know Donald Trump doesn't have any power now, and we know Donald Trump can't do anything to help anybody, so these idiots are going to have to help them themselves. So here's the funny thing, though. All of these people have been served uh, subpoenas, with the exception of Dan Scavino. Now, Dan Scavino was labeled the um, deputy chief of staff, worked under Mark Meadows, another man that was subpoenaed. But his real job was, well, he handled Donald Trump's Twitter account. (laughs) Nice job, Danny. You got banned for life, you dumb fuck. So anyway, they're trying to serve him a subpoena. They can't find him. Now, he's still all over social media, but they can't find him. He hasn't been served. And I'm sure Dan Scavino's thinking to himself, oh, I'm a master of disguise, of deception. I've been outsmarting the government. If they don't serve me, I don't have to show up, and I'm clean and free and clear. No, Danny, that's not how it works. Because, you see, Benny Thompson and the Democrats have figured this out, too. If you don't accept service and you don't show up next week when you're supposed to testify, well, now you have another problem because Benny Thompson has stated that, well, now we can send it over to the DOJ and get them charged with or get him charged with obstruction of justice. (laughs) Now, Dan, you may think you're sly. You may think you'll be able to walk out of this and uh, not have to testify. But I'm sorry to tell you, you are going to have to testify or you may go to jail. Now, in my mind, maybe it's a good thing if none of these guys show up. 
They refer them to the DOJ for criminal contempt of Congress. They get tried and put in jail. We save a lot of time and we get them off the streets. I'm all for that if that's the way they want to play it. But you see, these guys don't have the options. They don't have a way out like they did when Donald Trump was in office because Joe Biden's in office. Um, William Barr isn't the attorney general. It's Merrick Garland. None of these people are friendly to you fucks. So you're going to have to pay the price one way or another. So the question is, are they going to try to play games or are they just going to testify? If it's me, I'm going to go testify. If it pisses Donald Trump off, so what? There's going to be so much other stuff coming out about Donald Trump, his life will be destroyed. So why destroy your life in the process? We'll see what they do. (laughs) We'll see if they ever track down Dan Scavino. (laughs) He's this big, goofy-looking guy, probably eating little Debbies under a picnic table someplace, hiding from the man. It's going to be really interesting to see what actually happens. And I don't know if they're going to have these guys testify on TV or not. Um, They just did a hearing. I don't remember the man's name. I should. But he was second in command at the DOJ under William Barr. Actually, maybe he wasn't under William Barr. He was under the guy that replaced William Barr. But uh, he had a lot of things, a lot of information. There was a hearing today with him about January 6th but it was behind closed doors. So we don't know yet what came out of that, but we will more than likely hear something in the not-too-distant future. And it will have some bearing on what they do and who they call and what happens to the people that go through this House Select Committee hearings. I'm hoping that these four, these named people that we know, do testify in front of the cameras. But I don't know yet if that's going to happen. We'll keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best off this situation. (laughs) You know, it's funny when we're talking about the uh, insurrection and the House Select Committee, Donald Trump somehow got some coverage today. And uh, this knucklehead continues to perpetuate the big lie. I mean, nobody's ever had any proof. Nobody's ever come up with anything. But he continues to perpetuate it. And this may cost him in the, re- in the end. Trump said this. He said the insurrection was November 3rd, the election, not January 6th. Those people weren't insurrectionists. They were just proud supporters of America and their president, Donald Trump. I have to ask, I have to question, does this guy still really believe that? Or is it just what he's doing? You know, when I've dealt with people before that were narcissists, sociopaths, and pathological liars, I don't know that they actually believe everything they say. They find themselves in a spot, and Donald Trump thinks he's a master orator. So he'll just pull anything out of his ass to cover his ass or to change the narrative, and he'll just spill it out without even thinking about it. That's the interesting thing. If he should ever find himself under oath in front of Congress or whoever, he's in deep shit. You know he didn't testify during the two impeachments because his lawyers knew he can't sit under oath without lying. 
and then he's got a perjury charge. Well, he has no protection now. So if the select committee does call him to testify, well, then he's going to have a problem. He's going to have to speak under oath. Now, for him, he'll think he'll do wonderfully. He's too stupid to understand that he's going to put himself in a corner. Now, there's something else going on, too. It's with the uh, the Manhattan District. We were talking about that. That's where Donald Trump's organization was, uh, was uh, indicted. The CFO was indicted, and there's going to be some depositions, and those depositions have to be done by the end of the year, I think, and there's an excellent chance that Donald Trump will be deposed, and of course, in that situation, he will be under oath. We probably won't see that, but it should be a shit show if Donald Trump has to speak about his company under oath, and uh he could get perjury charges out of that one as well, because that's a legal process. And he is uh, going to find himself in trouble when that happens. I wanted to bring something else up. We talked about this a long time ago. We're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And of course, a lot of people are saying, oh, nothing will ever happen to Matt Gates. He's a child sex trafficker. He's got campaign uh, funding problems. He's got uh, obstruction problems, but nothing will ever happen to him. Now, back in July, we heard that he might be indicted at that point, but then it never happened. And the reason it never happened was because Joel Greenberg, his buddy, decided he was going to rat on Matt Gates. So Joel Greenberg had already ratted on him quite a bit to the point where he will likely get indicted. But when it came down to sentencing for Joel Greenberg, he said, look, I got more stuff to give you. So why don't we delay this uh, sentencing 90 days? So they figured, okay, we'll get more stuff and we'll give them the 90 days and then we'll indict Matt Gates." And they no doubt got a lot of stuff because everything still is on track to nail Matt Gates among some other people, some other politicians in Miami or in Florida, Miami and all of Florida for that matter. So if you're looking at third or 90 days from July, we're right at that point in October. We're all waiting with bated breath for Matt Gates and whoever else is involved, whether it be DeSantis or whoever. To get the indictments. Well, now I'm hearing that Joel Greenberg is saying, you know what? I even got more stuff. Why don't you hold on the sentencing for five months? And I say, fuck that. This guy's just playing games with you. He's trying to delay getting sentenced so he can stay out longer. But there's got to be a cutting off point at this point. They've got a lot of information on Matt Gates, certainly enough to indict him and probably convict him. Now, I don't know if they're going to give him another five months, but if they do, I'm going to be pissed because action needs to start. People in this country need to know that people are going to be accountable. And if they're allowed to continue to delay and delay and delay, people are going to be frustrated. They're already frustrated. We need to get something happening with Matt Gates. We need to get something happening in Georgia. We need to have, see what happens further 
with the Manhattan District in uh, New York. And, of course, the insurrection stuff. Things have to start falling here pretty quickly. There has to be the indictments. There has to be the trials and the convictions. We're seeing it with the insurrectionist, but we're not even seeing the bad ones yet. So we're not seeing big, big uh, sentences at this point. This country needs to see some accountability. We need Merrick Garland and the DOJ to press the issue. If these guys don't show up to testify with the select house committee, they don't need to dick around with this or say, well, we'll give you another chance. We'll give you another chance. No, you got to send them to the DOJ. You got to get that indictment and put them on trial because the moment they do that, then things will start to shake out. They can even just find these guys like a thousand or $10,000 a day. And this is money they're going to have to pay back. So that will be a motivation for them to come in and sit down. We've got Joe Biden in office, what, for nine months? And I know people keep saying, well, we've been waiting for four years. I've said this before. You haven't been waiting for four years. Nothing could happen. Nothing did happen for four years. The clock started as soon as Joe Biden took office. So we're nine months into this, not five years into it. We're nine months and the law is slow, but pretty soon we need to see something happening or there's going to be a lot of disgruntled Democrats and citizens in this country. I wanted to bring something else up. Um, people are talking a lot about how Joe Biden's poll numbers are dropping like a rock. And that, that makes sense, you know, given what's going on with COVID. You had the COVID relief bill, and that gave him a boost. But now they're working on this infrastructure bill, the bipartisan and the reconciliation bill, and it's kind of stalled, so people are getting annoyed and upset about this. And you'll listen to the TV news, and they'll say, oh my God, his, his, his polling numbers are dropping like a rock, because they only talk about the sexy, the sensational, or the salacious. They don't tell the whole story. But here's the deal with Joe Biden. <clears throat> I don't think Joe Biden cares about the polls at this point, because I don't think he's running again, but he does have to consider the Democrats in 2022. So he needs to improve his perception amongst the people in this country. And yes, the poll numbers are down. Some people saying 40% approve of Joe Biden, which is quite a drop when it was up around the high 50s when he first got in office and after the COVID relief bill. But here's what's going to happen. The poll numbers and the people that are, are talked to about the polls, they're very fickle. As soon as the infrastructure bills pass, and they will pass, as I mentioned, as soon as they pass and people start realizing the benefits they're getting from this and the country improves, the stock market goes up and things start to turn around, Joe's poll numbers will jump up very quickly. Don't believe me? The poll numbers can go up and down very easily, very quickly. That's why you really can't pay too much attention to polls. Look at the polls for Donald Trump for four years. They were always shit. What did it do? 
Well, he lost the election in 2020, but while it was all going on, it didn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter with Joe Biden once some of these things pass. And Joe knows this. He's playing the long game. He wants to get this done before 2022 so he can benefit there and get better election results uh, for the House and for the Senate. And that's what he's doing. He's playing this right. He's not worrying about poll numbers right now, but as soon as he gets some of these things done and completed, then things will change with the poll numbers. Let me remind you of George H.W. Bush. When he was first in office in the first few years of his office, he was probably one of the highest ranked president as far as approval rating that we've seen in our lifetimes. And why? Well, because he went into Iraq, basically beat him easily and pulled on out, maybe pulled out too early. But at that point, people were impressed and proud of this country for kicking Iraq's ass. So he's riding a wave. And as he's headed toward re-election, because he was a one-term president, a lot of the real contenders said, yeah, I'm not fucking with that. I can't beat this guy. I'm not going to waste an election trying to go against George H.W. Bush because I can't win. His polling numbers are too big. But you know what happened? What happened was the economy went to shit. And when the economy went to shit, so did George H.W. Bush's polling numbers. So all these people that were legitimate candidates for the republic or from for the uh, democratic party said fuck it i'm not doing it so what happens bill clinton pops up and says i'll run fuck i don't care bill clinton had no business winning that election i'm not saying he was a bad president or anything like that that's not what i'm saying but if you took all the other people that were likely candidates bill clinton would have been in the top 10 But he was the only one left willing to do it just at the time when the polls were dropping for George H.W. Bush. I mean, Bill Clinton was the fucking governor of Arkansas. He got paid. What do you get paid? Like $30,000 a year was akin to working at a, a gas station running a convenience store. But he was charming, and he was a good orator, and he knew what to do. So because those poll numbers dropped... Bill Clinton jumps in. He wins the presidency. George H.W. Bush is a one-term president. So you got to take polling numbers with a grain of salt. And it isn't so much what your polling numbers are. It's what your polling numbers are around the election. And if Joe Biden gets these infrastructure bills passed, polling numbers will be awesome. People will be excited about what's going on. And that will help win 2022. Joe Biden's been in this business for 45 years. He knows what the fuck he's doing. And that's why I keep saying, don't expect the Republicans to win shit in 2022. They got all this bad shit coming out. And Joe Biden's got some good shit coming. I'd be surprised if the Republicans win much at all in 2022. This is coming from the guy that did tell you Mitch McConnell would cave, and he did. So keep watching what's going on. Don't worry about the polling for Joe Biden at this point. Once all this stuff passes and some of the shit comes out, then watch the polls as we get closer to 2022. All right. We're going to wrap things up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. If you have questions, comments, complaints, whatever you got, 
Send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast, and then just leave a voicemail message. I'm always glad to hear from you, and I hope I do. So uh, we're going to wrap it up for day today, but we will be talking to you again very shortly. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.